We review Creed 3, discuss the best leading actors to also direct their movies and everything else you need to know about the universes you love right here on the Direct Podcast. Truth is, I'm a Jedi. I'm vengeance. I could do this all day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in, welcome on, and welcome to episode 11, season 2 of The Direct Podcast, everything you need to know about the universes you love. I'm your host, the American Dream, Matt Rimke, joined as always by my co-host, friend, teacher, Floridian Colts fan, box office correspondent, Mr. David Thompson. David, how are we doing on this fine Sunday morning? I'm doing great, man. Um, the box office is thriving, sort of. Um, it's a good time, at least. What opened this weekend is doing well. And, you know, I'm living living the good life. It's the weekend. Um, this weekend's been pretty busy so far. Today's kind of a lax day. Just getting to talk with you, Matt, about all, all the things you guys need to know. And, uh, yeah, life's good right now. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, we're at the end of my Rocky slash Creed journey. Uh, it's, been, mm. it's been two weeks of... You know, trumpets and, you know, gloves risen in the air and sweaty, attractive, large men. And it's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed it. I'm excited to talk about Creed 3. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about some of the news. Really, no news going on right now this week. Very uh, quiet. A couple yeah. Marvel headlines, small ones, and a bunch of Creed box office numbers, like you said. Other than that, though, it's it's gonna it should be a short one, and you know I'm excited to get in, get out, talk about Creed three. Um, do have a question for you, David? Let's 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 peel back the curtain a little bit. Let's have a live on air production meeting next week. Um, we uh, do not have a movie to review um, for our Monday episode, but after that, it will be Shazam, John Wick, mm-hmm. and it'll be a pretty decent run of movie reviews with Mando. In between, so next week our our last feature for a while. I figure we better do a draft, right? That's kind of our thing. I have penciled in for St. Patrick's Day a green character draft or bracket. One of those two. <laughs> There's a lot more green characters in fiction than you might think of. You know what I mean? So yeah. I thought that'd be very fun. I wanted to ask you: Is there anything else you think we should do next week? And I also want to ask anybody listening: Please reach out to me or David on Twitter. Give us your feature ideas. But, David, do you like the idea of a green bracket? You know, the best green characters throughout the universes you love. I love the idea of the green bracket. Uh, shout out to the Swamp Thing guy at the end of Mando. Hell yeah. He's going to make 17. it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that guy's that pirate's name. Um, I, I do have a question, though. I, I assume you're not seeing Scream 6 then because we have no review or movie to talk about. Yeah, I, I personally am not a Scream fan. I'm not a horror movie fan. I've seen Scream yeah. 1. Who hasn't, right? It's a classic um i i have no mask i mean i don't know i guess david we could this this is why we do the production meeting are you a scream fan i'm seeing it this week Uh, my fiance is very excited about the movie i'm not really a scream fan but i am going to theater to see it i have plans to and have you seen most of the other screams i've seen Scream. no i think i've seen part of yeah yeah like maybe like the first one and then like part of the latest one with uh Jenna Ortega's in it. Jenna Ortega. the new one as well. I love her. Yep. She's fantastic. She's well, a rising star. 
Maybe David and somebody else who's going to see that movie will hop on here and review Scream. You know, that's, that's <laughs> I don't know about we'll, that. Yeah. I mean, if you think it's worth it, I mean, why not? You know what I mean? We could always do a green draft it's, any other day. <laughs> green draft is exciting, though. I don't know it if I want to cool. kick the green to the side because of Scream. I, I think Scream is a franchise, though. It's definitely a franchise. And I'm excited to see it. I've heard this one's pretty gory um, and I'm seeing it this week. So I, I'm excited, even though I am. This is a kind of horror movie that I can handle. The horror movies I can't handle are like the spiritual ones. Okay. Like the demonic kind of things. Like the, like the dolls. Sure. That kind of a deal. Sure. Freaks. Like the, or like Annabelle? whatever. Like the nun movies and stuff. Yeah. I cannot. I can't handle those. Yeah. Yeah. I. They freak me out. I guess my favorite scary movies, mm-hmm. if you had to pin me down and ask. Uh, when I was a kid, it was Freddy Krueger. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I thought those were cool. Um, because I was like 13, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's your prime Freddy Krueger age. And, um, I love yeah. the conjuring movies. I hate them because I hate scary movies and they're terrifying. Oh, they are very good though. And I appreciate that. And Kate Bishop's mom is very good in them. Uh, Vera Farmiga, I believe is her name. Yes. Um, the, the concept of the purge movies has always been great, but they've never been executed that well. Would you but say like that's the first a scary movie? The Perch? I'd say it's a horror film. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'd be, yeah, you know. A Quiet Place, to me, is my favorite horror franchise, if that counts. Ain't never seen them. Um, Ooh. Yeah. They're good. The second one I really enjoy. What I don't like, I've never liked the pop-out stuff, but that's I, I can appreciate that in a scary movie. Ooh, you got me kind of thing. I don't yeah. like the 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 blood porn stuff where like ripping right. flesh off people and decapitate. Yeah. Ugh, get that out of my face. I feel like that's a little bit of what scream is. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe and I'm not a big horror guy review. either. Maybe a little mini maybe. review yeah. next week of scream. And we'll probably end up doing the green draft or the green bracket because David was excited. I thought it was stupid. Uh, I'm excited about it. I love stupid things. It's hilarious. You being yeah. excited makes me <laughs> excited. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all we got. If you have any feature ideas for us uh, for next week or anytime, always send your draft ideas, your bracket ideas. We love hearing them. We always try to get them on the show. But for right now, uh, let's dive into everything you need to know about the universes you love. And David, we start off with the box office. That's slander. It is not. I resent that. Slander is spoken. In print, it's libel. The numbers for Creed 3's opening weekend have arrived, and David, they are staggering. This is a big one. Historic highlights uh, throughout Creed 3. I want to hear all of your thoughts on the Creed 3 opening and what it means for this franchise, what it means for this genre, studio, all the things. But let me run down the numbers and the accolades for you real quick. Set you up on a tee. Knock it out of the park. It's what we do here on the Direct podcast 58.6 million in the opening weekend we usually cover blockbusters we usually cover marvel movies and that would you know that's about half of what that's fantastic for a movie like creed and how fantastic you ask well let's run it down it's the biggest opening for a rocky or creed movie ever one of the longest running franchises in hollywood history uh the biggest opening for a sports movie ever I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. The biggest opening for a black director's debut film. Shout out Michael B. Jordan. Congratulations to you. And the biggest opening for Amazon Studios. David, those are the numbers. Those are the records it is setting. What are your thoughts on the Creed 3's performance in this opening weekend? Guys, this is phenomenal. Um, The box office is always based on expectations. And for this film to hit 58, nearly 
59 nearly 60 million opening weekend is amazing so creed one and two both opened thanksgiving week so they had like five day openings and this movie in its opening three-day weekend outgrossed both creed one and creed two creed two's five-day opening which is phenomenal by the way matt as of a couple of days ago i just looked up an article from march 1st from box office pro Guess what it was tracking for? What's that? 43 million. I mean, this thing soared past expectations. Like, look, all these movies, it's, I like how you brought that up. You know, we cover Marvel and these big blockbusters and these like ginormous, you know, returns like Avatar 2 and things like that. It's all about expectations. It's all about how much money you put into the film and marketing and when you release it as well. Like, this is a crowded March. But it opened, it began March. Obviously, Scream, we just mentioned before, is coming out next week. It's got some room to wiggle here. It's already grossed $100 million worldwide. This is a phenomenal success for MGM, which is now owned by Amazon, hence the you know highest Amazon opening. So I got questions about the MGM thing just off the top, okay? I didn't know they were owned by Amazon now. That's good to know for me moving forward. I love, oh, yeah. what's that? James Bond, that's the big one. Okay. They now own James Bond. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's 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 a great IP. To, oh, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Right. The yeah. new opening intro for MGM was very cool. I love the metal. Sh- I love the metal plate. How they showed it. Like I kind of knew what it was before it came all the way on, which is great. And then the you know of course the iconic lion. Why didn't it roar? Was it a director's what? choice with the music, or is that a new Amazon thing? Because if they're gonna get rid of that, that's a problem. Yeah, I don't know. It it was. I didn't know if it was going to be like a it was a creative choice for sure. Really? Um, but I don't know why that was the creative choice. I mean, I, I imagine so. I hope that's not the new thing that they just got rid of the roar. The new animation's cool, but like you got to keep the roar, man. That's that's what a movie <laughs> is. You know, that's yeah, that's I, what signifies a movie's about to start. Yeah, I don't know why I, I agree. And I don't know why they did that. I'm trying to think back of like watching it in the theater. If the rest was silent or like the movie opened quietly i don't know but it was definitely a creative choice i think the roar will be back you can rest assured that's fantastic well i mean that's a very successful opening weekend for this movie this franchise this studio all the things uh sports movies what's their box office track record if they they don't really make a ton of sports movies anymore but do they have are, are they usually like horror movies or comedies that just don't really perform all the time well once again expectations right they're Yes, I would say simply put, you know, never any there's never been this like massive sports. I I feel like the Rocky franchise really is the most predominant sports film franchise, you know, Um, but no sports movies never do that well. But they're always lower budget. You know, you think about these big epic sci fi adventures, their budgets are so high. They pour so much money into marketing Um, this movie. I think the I don't know the exacts in terms of the budget. It doesn't seem that high budget when you watch the film, but like in a really positive way, it's like they just it's just a movie. You know, there's no real craziness to it. There's a couple of moments, I guess, but great acting. The marketing was really well done. I mean, it's kind of minimal. The, The best marketing I saw for this film was actually in the theaters when I was seeing Quantumania. And they did like a three minute IMAX. I was seeing it in IMAX. Oh, cool. IMAX, like featurette about how the film was made for IMAX. And it was just like uh, Michael B. Jordan was narrating it. And it was awesome. It was like a behind the scenes kind of a deal. And then I ended up seeing the movie in IMAX 
great yeah. phenomenal and and that helps too i mean it kind of sucks if you're a quantum mania truther for the box office which i don't think there's anyone out there anymore um you know creed 3 is soaking up a lot of those premium screens all of a sudden and this thing is filmed for imax i saw it in imax and it was a phenomenal experience yeah. so really this franchise now i would say is the you know king top of the hill top of the mountain in terms of sports movies franchises because mm-hmm. there really haven't been that many there's been one hit wonders in terms of sports movie movies uh one that comes to mind is like Moneyball, mm-hmm. uh, which was like a very well reviewed great and just like movie. great great movie yeah but there really aren't that many i think the thing you have to nail with the sports movie is to not make it about the sport sure you know and i think some movies fail at that but yeah it's a phenomenal opening i the biggest thing to me is just looking back and seeing 40 45 down to 35 million projections domestically for the this very opening. cool and that it almost hit 60 million that is fucking awesome like that is i think that is proof that people love this franchise love michael b jordan and had a huge interest in seeing what happened next and i think seeing his directorial debut i think that played into this as well which is awesome which they promoted pretty heavy which i think was a smart decision because yes. he is a face you know what i mean i We'll get into Michael B. Jordan later, but like I think like New York Times or something on a random list has him as like the fifteenth best actor of the twenty first century, which wow, I mean that's aggressive. But people love Michael B. Jordan. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, I yeah. have in front of me here the Wikipedia page of the highest grossing sports films, and I want to tell you a couple of the titles Ooh. and the sport they are claiming because it is very funny. Okay. The number one at one point five billion dollars is Furious Seven. What? Oh, Motor motorsports. Get it? Oh, kill me! Come on. <laughs> well, we're just we're just getting started here, buddy. The next three are all Hugger Games movies, where the sport is battle royale. <laughs> <laughs> number, number five. That's awesome. Number five. I want you to guess it. The sports are American football and ping pong. American football. Oh, um, Forrest Gump. Yeah, it's Forrest Gump. Casino <laughs> <laughs> Royale's at seven because gambling. Actually, no. This is like a that's like a satirical page. What a stupid list. The the first like actual sports movie. Gladiators on here. Cars is on here. Um, the first actual Cars. sports movie I think I see on this list is all the way at number fifteen. Three hundred seventy-eight million dollars. Slumdog Millionaire, another boxing movie, um, of which okay. there are dozens of great boxing movies. Uh, but yeah. and then um, and then the Karate Kid, uh, the Jaden Smith, the Jaden Smith one. Um, I could say yes. that as a sports movie for sure. But yeah. but yeah, um, so. yeah, more I, so than Fast and Furious and uh, Cars. Hunger Games <laughs> is the one that gets me. Battle Hunger Royale Game. is that a sport? <laughs> is that a sport? I like that. We're calling that a sport. I think that opens up a lot of possibilities if that's if that's a sports movie. Yeah, is Infinity War a sports movie at the end of the day? Like that's the question we got to yeah. ask. Secret um, Wars will be. I hope so. Oh, that is going to be a battle royale. You're 100 percent right. They better. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is your Creed box office review. Moving over to the red brand for a couple of very interesting headlines. The first of which, it appears there's been some leaks on Reddit for Marvel Studios' first ever original superhero appearing in the upcoming season of what if and this is a bizarre story david so let me break down the details for you there is a funko 
soda line. Funko is making their own line of soda that they will be selling with different figures from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Funko's really just do whatever the hell they want out there, I feel like. Um, the uh, In this leaked photo, there's a new Marvel soda line with the WandaVision font treatment, which I find very weird. Um, there's a new Marvel soda line featuring the new Marvel Studios What If Season 2 hero, Kahori. Kahori is a superhero that they are featuring on this soda line that has no origins in Marvel Comics. And if this is true, if she does appear in What If, she will be the first ever original superhero created by Marvel Studios. Kahori in this picture seems to be a woman Native American warrior. Uh, she's got a dope-ass feather uh scrunchy situation going on holding up what i assume is going to be a power braid because power braids kick ass and she's got some traditional native american war paint going on very ahsoka vibes with the light blue and the dark blue and the white um she's kind of hot gotta be honest with you um and uh she would be the first ever marvel studios original hero uh this is a very bizarre thing and uh you know this seems to be the first what do you think about this marvel studios creating their own superheroes not ever introduced in the comics cartoons etc i mean i guess i respect the creative freedom you can do when just creating a whole new hero i mean hearing about this through a funko soda can is kind of interesting it's weird it's weird it could be in, (laughs) in what if um i guess it makes sense it's kind of interesting because I was just thinking about it with Shazam too. Isn't Helen Mirren's character um, like made up as well? That the villain in Shazam too. I've not Someone heard that. was saying that. I I think there's like I don't know if it's those two characters. I'm pretty sure it might be. We ought to figure this out before we review that film. <laughs> are kind of like original characters for DC. Um, so this is interesting. I wonder. Look, I feel like the point of this story is okay. This is kind of interesting. But what could this lead to in the future? Like, right. could they create more characters? Uh, could this be, you know, a sign of things to come? Maybe they test this out with this character and what if, and if people are drawn to it and it's like, wow, this is original. This is interesting. This is new. Um, I don't, you don't come in, I think with Marvel and it's a double-edged sword in some ways where you go in with certain expectations because you know that character, like comic book fans go in with a, to a Spider-Man movie, to a Batman movie, to a, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy movie knowing the characters having certain expectations so maybe sometimes it's good to have a clean slate but i do think the point is right it almost comic book movies are already in a sense sequels or that you know they're they're set up because everyone already knows them like how most movies aren't original you know it's a huge i would say critique of hollywood there's so many sequels um you know movies based on books comics like we're talking about here um so i think originality is a positive thing and i'm curious how this character will work out in the what if season two and i think the bigger question is could this be a sign of things to come could they create a live action original character that would be fascinating to me um especially if it's something that we see in you know phase five phase six right and this is actually you know as as interesting as this story is this is not the first time we've talked about something like this here on the direct podcast apparently the rumor rumor has it great adele song by the way rumor has it you've been praying it's good um rumor has it before the passing of chavik bozeman the plan was for leticia wright's shuri 
to go on and become a Wakandan superhero, uh, not a mm. Black Panther, just another Wakandan superhero. And that would have been the first original superhero for Marvel Studios. Obviously, that's not as extreme as this. What was Shuri being a not just a character in the comics, a superhero in the comics, but she was Black Panther like she ended up being due to unfortunate and sad circumstances. But the uh, that that was kind of a rough idea very early on um, in the history of the direct podcast. And. I, I like this idea a lot because they've shown success with not completely original heroes, but unknown superheroes. The Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously the number one face for unknown superheroes becoming smash hits for Marvel Studios. But you look at characters like Korg, you look at characters like, um, you know, Ag- Agatha got her own spinoff, you know, a relatively unknown comic book hero, sure. or at least in the comics, such a side character Agatha has always been. Yeah. And I like I like this idea of Marvel Studios trying to do something like this. And I do like the like typeset and prototype they're setting up with this Kahori character. We don't know anything about her, but it seems to be a Native American warrior. Give me some nature shit, some Pocahontas superhero stuff here for it. dude. Yeah. One character I think of that's original in the MCU is Ned uh peter's best friend right which i think is pretty cool i, mm-hmm. I think that's like an interesting character where he kind of replaces harry as kind of the best friend but it's a whole different kind mm-hmm. of original character um and, and i think that's an interesting way of using original characters in the mcu it'll be hard i think for them to ever have a like leading role be original right. but we'll see i mean we'll see if this keeps growing and i don't know it's I say I I'm promoting originality like that's a very positive thing. There's so many characters to pull from. It's like why why do you even need to make an original character? So it's kind of interesting, especially because you can we see so many times in Marvel, even in DC, right? You can just take a character's name, their likeness, kind of how they look, and just change who they are or right. like the character they are from the comics to be something new. But it has that kind of name value i suppose yeah sylvie was a good example of that combining a bunch of different loki female characters into one sylvie um and you know there's an x-men i think his name is warhawk he was in um days of future past at the beginning and he is a native american superhero he's a mutant but he's a native american superhero at the end of the day and uh you know so it could be a situation like that where you know they wanted to make him female let's just make a whole new hero um, and even Ned, you know, like, again, this this is an extreme of what we've seen in the past. Ned is like an adaptation of Miles Morales's Miles Morales's best friend in the comics. I forget his name. He's in the video game a lot, too. Um, Nib. That's not right. That's a uh, I Carly. Um, but uh, no, I, I think and I also think something we didn't talk about. What if being the introduction of this character? It's it's mm-hmm. classic farm system stuff. We're going to test her. And what if if people absolutely love her? Let's give her a whole run. Um, I think they did that with Tiana Paris and WandaVision. I think they kind of they didn't do that with Ahsoka. But like Ahsoka being so great in Mandalorian and Boba Fett, I think, has led to how much they're putting into this show. Another Marvel yeah. headline for the day. Keanu Reeves wants Wolverine, David. He wants it. He's come out. He said it. He is one of the best fan casts. Not best. I'm sorry. One of the most popular fan casts for Wolverine in the MCU moving forward. Obviously, Hugh Jackman will be a Deadpool 3. We here at the Direct Podcast subscribe to the theory that uh, the Foxmen X-Men will be our legacy X-Men until Secret Wars. And then our my dream, anyway, is to really begin the new MCU X-Men after Phase 6 in the Multiverse Saga. David, 
your thoughts on John Wick potentially being Wolverine. If not Wolverine, who do you want to see him play in the MCU? He seems tailored for the franchise. Yeah, um, I could see him in Marvel. I don't like the idea of him as Wolverine personally because just it's age wise. And even I don't know, I, I don't. It's going to be very hard in general to replace Wolverine, especially because Hugh Jackman's coming back again for sure. this Deadpool movie. And like, that's like an impossible job. I get his idea of like Wolverine, iconic superhero. I'm sure he'd do a good job. But I like, uh, like I said, we subscribe to that idea. I like that idea of starting phase seven. It really dives in very deeply into mutants and the X-Men. And they need a new cast. They need a new cast of characters. They need some up-and-coming actors, I believe. Um, I think, you know, he can make a pretty interesting Victor Von Doom. Uh, Keanu Reeves could be a pretty interesting Doom. I would like to see him in that. I think he would play a great villain in general. I don't really necessarily want to see him as a hero. Um, I'll be there in a few weeks seeing John Wick 4, and I cannot wait. I love the John Wick films. He's perfectly, perfectly suited for those movies, and he's just awesome. I love it. And uh, yeah, if he's in the MCU, I'd love to see him be a villain uh, of some kind. You know, one I actually had, he's already been cast in Sony, but Craven the Hunter, mm-hmm. um, I guess it's like the gun thing in, mm-hmm. in John Wick. I could, I just like to see him using guns and being proficient with like a sniper rifle. Uh, um, I think that would be pretty cool, too. I'd love to see him. And, you know, I like Spider-Man facing like older foes like that. Yeah. It's been interesting to me. And this like them wanting to kill a kid, yeah. or, you know, a young man, I guess. Have to go through that. Yeah, exactly. So that could be pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, Matt, if you had any fan castings for Reeves, do you have any or uh, like to see him in Marvel? Maybe you'll maybe you'll be in DCU chapter one. Gods and monsters. Constantine. Um, Constantine. Yeah. Yeah. He's already done that. (laughs) Um, So the Keanu Reeves as Wolverine thing, I think it's a bit of a superficial fan cast. And it's not to say you're wrong for wanting this to happen, but I think we look at John Wick and we see the action sequences, how great he is at, you know, one verse five in very interesting and dynamic ways, does all of his nonsense. From an action standpoint, I think he would be a great Wolverine because he's got the experience as far as like stunt choreography and all those different things. I think the acting outside of action in John Wick is on purpose, not great. Because it is just a cartoon. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, I'm pissed is the last thing we heard John Wick say. And I, I don't want that for Wolverine. Keanu Reeves is a storied actor in Hollywood. I'm sure he could turn it up another level. I would like to see him more as a punchy, one-off type villain. Uh, where he can bring a lot of charisma, intensity, and amazing action sequences, but not be asked to carry a franchise uh, from like a character. Yeah. The thing is with Marvel Studios, as much as everybody wants to say they're stupid and they laugh too much and they're too uh, focused toward kids, their bread and butter has been and always will be character development. I don't know if Keanu Reeves can hold character development for the number one Marvel hero not named Spider-Man. And uh, so I, I personally would like to see somebody a little more dynamic in that role. But from an action standpoint, he would crush. But like I said, I don't know who it would be, but I'd like to see him more as a one off action uh, facing villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm sure we will hear plenty bit more about Keanu Reeves in the coming weeks. I'm so excited for John Wick 4 coming at the end of the month. But first, we will review what movies have we reviewed this year? Just Ant-Man, right? Yeah, I think just Ant-Man this so is far. Our, well, 
And it's just beginning. Oh, yeah. The Jordan Year <laughs> of Movies is in full swing. We have our second movie review of, the, review of the year. The first one that isn't the core universes you love. We dive into Rocky and Creed with Creed 3. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon living. I, I, icon living. Ladies and gentlemen, the Creed 3 review led this week by our number one Creed fan. Box office correspondent, Mr. David Thompson. Yeah, I love this franchise. What's funny is, for me, it's not that I'm a huge Rocky fan. Like, I have, I have, I have honestly, like, vague memories, thoughts, feelings towards the Rocky franchise. I know, like, the main stuff, obviously. You know, like, I've seen him kind of... I haven't done a proper rewatch, I would say, since being an adult. But the Creed franchise... I've seen the first one in theaters, the second one in theaters, now the third one in theaters, and I feel an attachment to the franchise. Like I feel like this is my Rocky franchise, which is exactly what they wanted, I think, from this entire thing, right? It was a legacy sequel, continuing on the franchise, and for me, Creed 3 met my expectations in a very, very um, powerful way. It wasn't in the way that I expected necessarily. Um, I thought it was a really strong outing, especially for Michael B. Jordan directing and acting. And at one point, my fiance Jasmine, she looks over to me. We saw it like um, uh, Wednesday. Actually, it was like a special, like early fan screening for IMAX. I'm like, yeah, let's go. And uh, she whispers over to me. She's like, "How do you direct something you're acting in?" At one point in the movie, <laughs> and I'm like, um, "Talent. I don't know. You know, a lot, a lot, and a lot." of practice and effort and somehow being able to kind of compartmentalize yourself and a great team around you. I think it's a very important thing as well. Assistant directors, producers, etc. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And um, yeah, I thought he did a great job, Matt, you went on this long completionist journey, which I cannot relate to. I'm not cut from the same cloth in terms of wanting, desiring to watch every single, you didn't maybe, you, did you watch every single Rocky movie? Yeah, not uh, all. I, I did not watch five or six. I did not okay. watch five because it's historically panned, and Apollo Creed isn't in it. I was this is Creed prep for me. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I had seen the Rocky movies like you like you said when I was a kid, um, a bunch, um, but I didn't remember them really at all um, in any sort of meaningful kind of way. So I wanted to watch, rewatch right. the first four, get my Apollo Creed knowledge in, but also just Rocky. You know what I mean? And then uh, Rocky Balboa that came out in 06. I saw that in theaters. I was in sixth grade. Um, I don't really remember it a lot. I think it was one of those, like, you're you're 12, 13 years old. You go to the movies to not watch the movies, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Right. Um, So that was that for me. But um, I had seen all of them. My rewatch was one through four. And then my first time ever experiencing the Creed franchise, Creed 1, 2, and 3, I watched within, like, six days. So I'm very indoctrinated back into this franchise. Wow. Yeah, that is crazy. How do you like the Cre- the first two Creed movies? So um, it's interesting because, um, like like I often do, I, I I lean on my friends at the direct for their expertise on like you know what should I watch, what should I not watch? Is there expectations you want to set for me? And and you, Jack, Klein, Liam, you know the squad, they know me so much at this point as far as how I do my completionist neurotic horribly draining movie marathons before a movie comes out and they know what i want to know going in so like you you told me love creed one whatever about creed two excited for creed three jack told me to like you know 
this is this is very much a Rocky Creed movie in Creed One. Get ready for that kind of thing. And I and I appreciated yeah. knowing that going in. It set my expectations a little bit. Knew he was in it, sure, but um, I really liked Creed One because uh, it was my first modern Rocky movie I had watched. You know what I mean? Like I just watched one through four made in the seventies and eighties to see the modern take on Rocky and Ryan Coogler's take on a montage, take on the press conference, take on the trainer fighter relationship, all those things visually and production wise. Incredible. And that was so fun. Creed two. Let me tell you something about Creed two, David. Um, everybody told me Creed 2 was the, the weaker link of the first two Creeds mm-hmm. going into this thing. They were like, Creed 1's fantastic. Creed 2's good. We're all excited for Creed 3. It's exactly what you told me. Yeah. Creed 2, for the first, I'd say, 60% of it, you know, like everybody said, good. You know, it's not as new as Creed 1, so whatever. The last 30 minutes of Creed 2, I'm bawling my eyes out like like i'm they got me so good at the end of creed 2 man like they i thought the fight was amazing i thought the entrances were better than they've ever been and you know sly stallone is just crushing in the rocky trainer wise sage role in creed 2 and then all and i you know if you've seen the movie you know all the tombstone stuff whipping out that fucking chair and reading a newspaper and and then yeah. to have Adonis come back. Oh my God! I'm, bo- I'm sobbing at the end of Creed two. So Creed two is my favorite of the Creeds uh, going into Creed three. And I really yeah. I really appreciated the franchise. This is this is a fun one for sure. Yeah, no, it is. It's fundamentally a fun franchise, right? It's boxing, and it is at at the most simple. The simplest core of this franchise is just simply boxing, and we get that in Creed three, I think, yeah. and that's why. Leading into this movie, you know, I definitely enjoy the first one more than the second one, even though the second one's still really good, you know, and and I, yeah, exactly. Coogler's great, but I think it was cool letting Michael B. Jordan take over this franchise, which truly is his, and spread his wings a little bit, you know, just take off with his own directing style, and you see it throughout this film. I I think this was a great job directing this movie and obviously starring in it as well. The cast is phenomenal. And I think the main thing I have for Creed 3 is is that it's, speaking of the other two films, it stands alone the most. It stands alone the best out of the Creed franchise. I I truly believe that this film, Creed 3, besides like Rocky 1, it may be the most standalone movie in like the entire franchise because you could just sit down, watch it, understand, okay, you know, just some simple beats about the about the franchise, and you're in, right? You get you're in for a great time. It's less than two hours. It's I thought it was a really excellent movie. I came out buzzing about it. I thought the fight scenes were really good. Uh, the story was deeply personal, and I was impressed. I was impressed by Michael B. Jordan, and I was impressed by um, this being the third of the franchise. And I could see where they produce more, which is exciting for me too. I could see where this is not the end, especially now we talked about the box office coming back very very positive they're going to be in the green on this one why not make another one especially if michael b jordan wants to um he is a star people want to see him on screen they love him in this role clearly just give him different you know give him different adversaries give him different storylines it'll work it'll make money clearly rocky (laughs) you know just do the rocky thing um yeah, yeah exactly and uh 
I love hearing your overall thoughts because like we are two different perspectives here. Obviously, you know, I just told you I I just recently re-became a Rocky fan. Again, re-became, not a word. Why do I do this? Why do I make up these words? Uh, I was recently <laughs> re-indoctrinated into the Rocky franchise. When I was a kid, you know, uh, and also like, and you know, our friends of the show over there are kind of funny. They talk about this a lot. Growing up on Family Guy, and all the 80s references Family Guy has to offer and all the Rocky stuff. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, I remember Creed 3 and 4 very vividly from being a kid. And, you know, right. those are the 80s movies. Like, those are so much cheesier than the first two. They're so much cheesier than the Creed movies. All that stuff. So, like, I that's my core Rocky memory. Your core Rocky memory being Creed, it makes me so happy that you got to see this trilogy all in theaters over eight years like like that's a good trilogy run i feel like that eight yeah. year you know and and three different directors isn't great we know that as mcu fans you know we know what the director thing does right but you know you got the coogler two i think had a better story and then now three being this michael b jordan directorial debut all that stuff like it's it's just such a fun run um for me creed three overall um i appreciated creed three a ton for being what Michael B. Jordan has said it's going to be, this anime-inspired, very soap opera sounds like a negative, but it it leans into it a little bit with, you know, the the betrayal and the, you know, all those different stuff. The chemistry between the characters in this movie are fantastic, and it's not just Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors who are palpable, for sure. Um, You know, Bozeman vibes with uh, Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors here, for sure. Big Chadwick vibes. But uh, Michael B. Jordan, yeah. Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson continues to absolutely crush. Jonathan Majors and Tessa Thompson. I thought they were great together in this movie. Uh, and uh, Wood Harris, you know, him stepping up a little bit as uh, Duke Jr., who, if you're a Rocky fan, Duke's such an important part of that franchise as well. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just I appreciated this movie for the acting and the visual swings that they took. Um, I will say overall, I, there, I think there are just fundamental problems with this movie that the first two didn't have as much. Um, there's some very gaping holes for me in this uh, movie as the third of a trilogy. Um, so, you know, th- there's definitely um, some, you know, negatives I want to talk about. I want to dive into a little bit, but you can tell how much heart. Michael B. Jordan put into making this movie. You can tell how much fun everybody had making this movie as well, and I appreciate that. So there's a lot of appreciation for me in this movie, even though I do feel like it fell short um, in a few different spots across the board, but I am excited to talk a little bit more about it in detail. Yeah, uh, me too, man. Um, This is a really, really fun film that I want to dive into, and I think just leading into it, man, Jonathan Majors. I, I love seeing him on the big screen. Keep it up. Let's just keep this going. Every every other movie, I just want to see Jonathan Majors <laughs> being be a villain on a big screen. He's so good. What a great actor. So good. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do it. Let's dive into our popcorn. Let's dive into spoilers. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. All right. Here we go. Um, so, Matt, good popcorn. What do you have for me? I like good popcorn. I got a small yesterday at the theater. I got a small popcorn. I got the bag. Wow. Um, there's a good small. 
the, the, the popcorn bags, obviously the bucket is the iconic vessel, right? The bags have a good foundation. That's a sturdy bag. They put that popcorn in, and I appreciate yeah. that. Um, good popcorn. Um, I want to shout out the supporting cast. Um, obviously, Jonathan Majors on every poster. He's the main antagonist of this movie. Um, he was fantastic, but also Tessa Thompson has a main love interest. Fantastic. Those two stole every scene they were in for me. Um, I think that Watching all these movies back to back to back the way I have, Tessa Thompson has just become a star for me in this role as B. I don't know her real name because he only calls her B. Bianca, is that it? That sounds Philly as hell, so. right? Bianca. <laughs> I feel like that's a South Philly ass name. But um, I just love her character. I love her charisma. I love her accent that she brings to this thing that, you know, like very hood in the first movie. But like, you know, as she becomes more successful, she becomes more motherly in the way she talks. And I really appreciate that. She's an amazing mom in this movie. And I love her story. I love I love her music producer journey. She's gone on with her oh, hearing yeah. disability and uh, her loss mm. of hearing, I should say. Um, and just the way she's always so open about talking about it and adapting to it. And just there's so much depth in her journey in this movie. I do think plot wise, functionally, they should have had her more involved, um, especially in the back half. And we'll talk, you know, we'll talk about the, you know, the act structure of this movie. But I do think that Tessa Thompson was great when she was in it, not used enough and uh, similar to uh, Jonathan Majors. Not that he wasn't used enough. I feel like they could have turned him up even a little bit louder, but damn it all hell, dude. This guy's got a thing going. It's the faces Jonathan Majors makes. You know what I mean? He's He's got a very interesting face when he's showing emotion, when he's happy, when he's sad. He can merge those two really well. When he was fighting, he was always very, you know, whatever with it. And just this character they built with Dame Anderson going to jail for so long. I love the setup in the beginning as well. Um, you know, I think they did a good job establishing he was on the come up in a pretty big way. Um, you know, the Golden Glove, uh, Crenshaw division, whatever. Um, and when he came back, I appreciated his charisma, a touch of creepiness, which, you know, 18 years in prison. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, like a little socially awkward from time to time, but still very bombastic and charismatic yeah. and loud, which I think is a good mix for what this character is. And then also, like, I think it's really well represented in his fighting style as well, man. He's very unorthodox and a little chaotic, but still very meticulous. And like, you know, it, and it's it's, you know, it's a small thing. But whenever he saw a shoulder that was getting a little loose or like, you know, a rib cage, maybe a little sore or whatever, he had this little nod to him. Like to himself, he's like, All right, game time, checkmate. You know, the kind of the theme of the fighting style throughout checkmate. You know, like he's, I got you, got like always just kind of moving, snorting, all that stuff. I just thought he was, he was a better Mr. T. Um, I think, you know, Mr. T, obviously, (laughs) no, no one could do that again, (laughs) but I think they added a couple layers to the Mr. T character and cast Jonathan Majors to do it. And, um, something I didn't mention in my overall thoughts. I'm sorry, I'm running a little long on, you know, these two. But something I didn't mention in my overall thoughts, I feel like the structure for Creed 1, 2, and 3 really follows Rocky 1, 2, and 3 in a pretty tone-for-tone kind of way. You know what I mean? Like the personal story, the champion story. Now here's this bad guy that doesn't look like anybody can stop uh, out of nowhere seemingly, right? And uh, I feel like that was – Jonathan Majors did a good job doing that. Test tops are crushed. That is my first piece of good popcorn. What do we think of these two in this one, David? Oh, look, Tessa Thompson is great, but – 
Jonathan Majors, like Tess Thompson has been great in this role. Jonathan Majors, I have a question for you, mm. right? Do you think Jonathan Majors was better in this or in Quantumania? And you can, you can, you can, you can, uh, I would say you can add in some of the writing too, which wouldn't really be Jonathan Majors, but I think both characters, they're not the same by any means, but he gives a lot both villains. He gives a very different performance. They're both villains. They both have, I would say, their own motivations. Um, and okay. I'm curious what you think of that. Um, I think... Put you on the spot. I, no, no, no. I think it's a great question. I think his performance here is better because it's a much more nuanced performance. You know what I mean? He, he has some depth and uh, stuff he's getting through. You know what I mean? Like he has some problems he's working through in this movie. I think his performance yeah. is better here. I think I like the character of Kang in Quantumania better than Dame here. And that's nothing against Dame Anderson in this movie. It's the way they used it with the plot that I have an issue with. And again, we'll get to that mm. later. Um, but like, I just think that Kane Kang in Quantumania was exactly went very menacing and terrifying and scary and uh and i think that again you know both plots really didn't do the villain as much service as i would like but i think i like the character of kang better with jonathan majors uh but his performance here i think was a little more eccentric and nuanced and something that he was able to really chew into a little bit one thing and yeah i agree i think this i think he was better in this movie i think he was given a little bit more which is kind of crazy to say because Quantumania, he's given a lot for Kang and he like, plays different versions, things like that. But for this character, he just shows so much range. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this movie proved to me why Marvel hired him for the character of Kang because it is a role where you play different versions of the same guy. Right. And he kind of, he's two-faced in this, right? Like he has different motivations, you know? Like he plays Donnie, you know? He, he sets him up. I like got I like gasped in the theater when they show that photo of like his uh little I journal and it's the guy who broke um yeah. God what's his name's uh Drago Drago's hand yeah. yeah I'm like oh my gosh uh, that was great and like and I think what what you brought up the fighting when it comes to Jonathan Majors when you go from Jonathan Majors in that first scene with him and MBJ in the diner to him so at good. the at the training facility then cut to him later, you know, call, at the party talking to Tessa Thompson at the house, talking to the kids and just like meeting the family. Then you cut to him calling MBJ out after winning that fight against um, Chavez. And the, the scene I really thought showed Major's chops was at the beach after he won. I'm like, oh my god, this guy can act. This like he, I thought he was excellent in that scene. Like I thought it all kind of came to fruition. Like his whole character at that point, like what he was really getting at, and still a twinge, like you said, of that social awkwardness. Like he's got all these people around him because he just won, but he's not best friends with all these people either. You know what I mean? And I thought it was just great the way that was played. And I thought that kind of comparing the two a little bit. Once again, back. Marvel podcast here um like he had so much more I think to go against because it's such a more it's a much simpler story with just him versus Donnie right. than him versus Scott or whatever he's not really against Scott I liked how personal this was from 
uh, Jonathan Majors, and we were able to dive into like the depth of his character. And I thought he, more than other people, would have, I don't know, shown that. I think other actors would not have done as good of a job. Right, and uh, also much smaller cast in this movie that allows Jonathan Majors to kind of eat up a little bit, which I think is a difference from Quantumania in a pretty big way as well. Yeah. Um, no, see, we're going to differ on this movie, I think, a little bit from a story plot perspective because I, I agree. Mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. acting on the beach scene was very good. That beach scene was weird, though, I think, and it was just so... <laughs> they. I don't think they did the plot twist great with jonathan majors the michael b jordan finding that picture and realizing what the hell went down i thought that was very well done cut straight to the beach where jonathan majors it almost feels like he knows that creed knows already and he doesn't ask how he found out he did all that different stuff it was just it felt very fast and furious which we all know i love that we we all know i love that franchise this movie wasn't pushing that fast and furious limit enough for that scene to fit for me because like Mm. it is just such a 180 for that character to have all these people around him now and not need adonis at all and all this different stuff so the scene itself plot wise i didn't love but i agree with jonathan majors owning that personal family rivalry thing and really sticking that out throughout this movie jonathan majors michael b jordan felt like they had this long beef uh, for a good amount of time. And, and again, we'll get into it later. But just like they, they had a great chemistry of friction brothers. You know, like you can tell they used to be tight. And I think that's yeah. a weird thing to hit with two different actors. But you could tell they used to be tight. It's it, it for weird. Weirdly enough, it feels almost easier for two people to act like they hate each other or act like they're friends to act like they used to be friends and have that kind of combative you know, brotherly kind of thing. They nailed that. Yeah, I agree. Moving on to my first bit of delicious popcorn. We kind of share this one, Matt. The fight scenes in this film are awesome. I thought it was funny. We start off with Conlon, who was the main villain of the first film. And in this scene, just want to break it down a little bit. You know, we get obviously some nice dope ass close shots. It's looking very, you know, personal intimate on in the boxing rink uh for me yeah we're i'm seeing on an imac screen this is epic this is cool you know uh donnie's not doing the best he's kind of getting beat up a little bit but he's being patient you know and he's seeing things we get that this slow-mo shots slow-mo can be pretty silly slow-mo was awesome in this movie man i thought it was excellent and we this is the fight scene where you know rah 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 okay getting hit blah 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 like boxing is so interesting it really is like a game of chess you know you you win some you lose some and it's at the very end of the day did you win enough you know did you get did you get yourself in the right position to hit that knockout right if it does end in a knockout which like all these movies seem seem to because that's epic um (laughs) not always but most of the time and it was awesome like in between rounds right is that like right before he knocks him out and he just like goes Oh my gosh, he just like lights him up, Checkmate. just owns him. Was because as these slow mo shots of him, like he realizing the opening, like on his like rib cage, like his like chest, like gonna go hit his spleen a couple of times. So good. Pop that thing. And he's, he's like, all right. He's like, I got it. And then like he's like, super cool, calm and collected to Duke. And Duke's like, what are you doing out there, man? Like, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes back out, whatever round it was, and just demolishes him. To me, that was like right then. 
those references like anime yeah. and things like that. I'm like, okay, this is so that like it's almost it was almost like a video game, right? Like, oh, I just got you know, I just kind of got the the shit kicked out of me, but I saw where I could prevail next round, right. like, next time. Okay, like I just lost the level. But I now know how to win, and then you go back and do it. I thought that was such a cool fight scene just to open up the movie. Yeah, and and this is kind of what I think the Rocky franchise as a whole has been missing, even in Creed. And uh, again, I've been on a tear these past two weeks. Interviews, I'm reading articles, I'm watching kind of funny interview, I'm doing all those things. Um, apparently, Stallone in the early Rocky movies like had to take over the fight choreography responsibilities because like. Two of the best boxers in the world going one-on-one, it's very systematic. Like you said, it's very slow pace. It's finding your spots. It's very one punch at a time, and it's a lot like high school wrestling. I used to wrestle in high school. If you don't know what's going on in the match, it's so boring. Like it's it's mm-hmm. everybody's too good to have anything exciting happen because in in combat sports it's when you make a mistake is when the big knockout happens or the big punch and the other guy needs to make right. a mistake so two of the best in the world that's not really gonna lead to many so they had to ramp up the big swings and all that stuff and we've come such a long way from Stallone just sitting there getting his head ripped off for an entire fight and it's just the stupidest looking thing you've ever seen in your life. Now, this is what I've been wanting from the Rocky franchise this entire time, is the science within the match. What does Michael B. Jordan see? How does he take advantage of that in the future? Where's the payoff for the in-fight stuff? It's, you know, it's, in, it's in the football movie when they run the play. They run the play they've been wanting to run this entire time. You know what I mean? And, and that reverse. Mm-hmm, exactly, exactly. And uh, the anime, zoom in on his eyes, zoom in on what his eyes are looking at, the Sherlock Holmes of it all. You know, almost like you can hear him in his head be like, I got him, got him, checkmate, all that stuff. Such a great introduction to the anime style of fighting that we get here. Yeah. How do they use the anime moving forward? Something we'll discuss. But I love this first fight showcasing that. And then in the second fight, we see it from Dame's angle, which is also very cool. Yeah, I thought the second fight was interesting. You know, it's breaking down each fight. We had Dame versus Felix Chavez. And Chavez is kind of, you know, portrayed to us as the audience. Like, he's the new upcoming guy. Like, he's the he heavyweight is the champ. champ. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, he's the champ. And and this is the guy. And, like, we, I thought it was cool within the movie. You know, people in the um, the training facility don't want to fight him. Like, he's just, like, flying through these mm-hmm. guys. And then Dame shows up. You know, obviously Adonis kind of, like, sticks up for him says hey give him a shot all these things and dukes it solely against it and you know we'll get into it later but like how this fight came to be totally ridiculous totally just turn off your brain (laughs) totally fast and furious something you mentioned earlier where it's like how are these two fighting right now love a good underdog story okay um i thought this fight was cool because we got to see dame fight someone who was more polished a better boxer by all means, but Dame just wanted it more, you know, and he was going to scrap and claw and cheat mm-hmm. in many ways. And like, he's out for blood, man. He, he was locked up for 18 years and that kind of came to fruition and was shown to us in that boxing match. We, like you talked about Dame's boxing style compared to, uh, Chavez's like, it's totally different. He's swinging for the fences. He's smooth. Like, He's a natural boxer. Yeah, the way he blocks and stuff, it's super kind of almost like basic in a way. It's old like, school is what it is. It's yeah. Like, 
old school, just like, hey, I, I'm, you know, I'm just blocking right now. I can't really do much from here. I'd have to like reset my hands where sometimes, you know, you see the boxers, they have their hands up. So when they do block, they can make quicker moves. Mm-hmm. He kind of swings for the fences, but he hits you hard, man. His, you can tell his hits are just hard. Like, Matt, me or you are taking a, a shot from Jonathan Majors. We're going down for a week, a man. Second. It's going to be a rough. <laughs> it's going to be a rough time. Um, but this is a cool fight. I think it was a bit of a setup fight. Like you said, it, it introduced us to Dame's fighting style in a real way in like the actual because, you know, from the sparring matches to then the, you know, the heavyweight battles they do total it's shot totally differently they really put put in big big emphasis um i love the in-between round scenes where they sit down they're bleeding it's like oh you're just in the moment they're sweating the the water i love those scenes they just get me so into the movie exactly they get me so it's it's classic you you get so in i think to like the film and the fight and you like you feel it you know i think all these fights today you know for this film and really most of the creed franchise you just feel them, yeah. you know, they're very visceral, like the directing, the writing, they do a great, the choreography, you know, it's all choreographed. That's what's so cool about these fights as well. It's thinking about Planning. how they choreograph this whole thing. And I think, you know, before we get to it, that, that final fight for me had the most interesting choreography of this film. Yeah. Uh, sticking with the second fight really quick. Uh, I, I like the, again, the anime aspect of, like you said, in the corner, uh, Dame asking his trainer to get out of the way because Dame wants to see what Chavez is nursing over there in the corner. You know, what what is hurt on you right now? And then, you know, he sees the shoulder. Somebody touches his shoulder and he like, ah, he winces a little bit. And Dame does that thing I was talking about earlier. He's just like, all right, got it. Got you. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of the fight, you see him going after the shoulder, sometimes in pretty dirty ways. And like, you know, that the very anime just, again, the zoom in on the eyes, zoom in on what the eyes are looking at. Like, I love that, you know, ex- eccentric shooting style that Michael B. Jordan leaned into a lot here. And then it's very WWE, right, to see somebody you know, nurse a shoulder and then Randy Orton goes after the shoulder. And and it's just it, 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 dirty, sure, but like, you know, also very street smart type of fighting. And they did a good way showing that off within the fight. Like you said, the way the fight is set up is ridiculous. And and it, it's it's a and they mentioned it in the movie. It's a very obvious nod to the first Rocky movie where Apollo Creed yeah. needs an opponent because and and here's the problem. Here's the issue. When Apollo Creed needed an opponent in Rocky, it's because it was January 1st, 1976, the bicentennial. I'm I'm the American dream. I'm the world heavyweight champion. We are in Philadelphia. This needs to be the biggest spectacle ever. Sure, we lost the guy we wanted. We can't have nobody. So who are we going to get? He looks through a book of Philadelphia, the Italian Stallion. And Creed is just like, <laughs> that's the name. The American Dream versus the Italian Stallion. And it's Apollo Creed selling the holy hell out of the American Dream. The American Dream fight. You know, we're going to give a Philly boy one shot. You know, a nobody. We're going to give him a chance. The Italian Stallion. And Michael B. Jordan, you know, for as much as people do love him, he's a very lovable, charismatic person. I just don't think he carries selling this fight very well. And he just doesn't. No. And, and, and they put him in that role. They finally give him the promoter role that Apollo Creed always had since day one. And I just don't think he does a good job selling this fight. And because of that, we don't really care. Why on earth does Chavez need to take this fight? 
He's the yeah. world heavyweight champion. Wait a couple months. You know what I mean? Like, like find somebody that's worth and worth a fight that you know and can train for and study. Because here's what happens, brother. Like, it's just yeah. the the motivations not just for majors or Michael B. Jordan or even Chavez. The motivations from just like a technicality standpoint weren't there. And I just don't think Michael B. Jordan did the thing that uh, Carl Weathers did to make us buy into it a little bit. Uh, that in the first Rocky movie. I agree. But the fight itself, I did appreciate. Yeah, I agree. You definitely had to suspend your disbelief for the, for that part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, okay, we're, we're getting to this. Like, You had to get to this second fight to now get to the final fight, I suppose. And I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I don't think it's very well written or like, it's it just, you like I said, you have to suspend disbelief. Yeah. It's also tough from a plot standpoint because... I don't think we knew that Michael B. Jordan wasn't the world heavyweight champion anymore until until the bathroom scene where Creed tells B, hey, he wants to fight Chavez. I think that's Mm -hmm. the moment we learn that Chavez is the world heavyweight champion and Creed has been retired. You know what I mean? So I just think that that also doesn't help. We're we're also dealing with, okay, like this kid's heavyweight champion now. I thought he was just like, you know, on the come up. He's had just a little messy getting there as well yeah we kind of knew i think we knew creed like have retired when like the time jump happened it seemed like but we didn't know chavez was the heavyweight champion like you said like when he was sparring at the beginning it didn't i didn't sense like this is that guy this is the new creed final fight though i love this at dodger stadium holy shit i thought this looked beautiful it looked so cool the fireworks i'm like oh yeah this is awesome like outdoors something a little bit different and it all comes down to this right it's adonis it's donnie versus dame um a lot goes into it and for me you know it starts off it's super even i'm like leaning over like wow it's it's, it's so even so far i love how like it's just even you know they're kind of picking each other apart they know back to like what you said earlier like they seem like they knew each other they're old friends in this, it seemed like they knew how they were going to fight, too. Like, they had, like, an idea of, like, what, who they are. Michael B. Jordan has some struggles, right? He's got some rust. He hasn't been out there in a while. He shakes off a lot of that rust as we continue on, though. And for me, the big moment, obviously, is the fun anime thing that happens, where the third round? Fourth round? I forget which round it, it was. starts in the third, ends in the 11th. Yeah. Third round starts, and just whoosh, all the crowd goes away. We're getting some like jail cell things going where the ropes were. And I thought it was dope. I thought it was really cool. I was buying into it. I'm like, this is really cool. Like, it's totally abstract. Obviously, you're just kind of living in the moment. But I thought what was cool about it was that all it was was the external, you know, which is kind of to me the beautiful part about the story in the sense like it all just came down to these two guys, you know, like the, this very simple relationship that goes back to this traumatic thing that happened when they were kids. And I thought it would, they did a good job of in that fight, you know, cutting to just them, you know, it's just them fighting. And at the end of the day, in this story, the title didn't matter. The money didn't matter. Who's going to win this fight, you know, and they, and they still had so much to deal with. And I loved, which is kind of like, post fight i love that conversation afterwards where it's like don i remember i literally leaned over again i'm like donnie's got to go apologize you know he can't just win take the victory and <laughs> woohoo you know like this is they had to they had issues to work out and 
for them and for the sake of the movie, it had to be done in a boxing match, <laughs> which I thought was cool. Um, and I do love the like speaking of like how he defended himself when like it opens up and that's how he gets them. You know, it's like peekaboo and then it's like bang. I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I really dug the final fight scene. Yeah. What do you, do you think? That's my opinion. So this is this is the biggest swing they took, right? You know, the, this is the anime. This is how this is as far as they went, you know, from round three until the very last round. You know, we're going to do the anime thing. Um, I really liked the surprise of it all. I didn't see it coming. Um, as far as Dodger yeah, Stadium, I thought the CG was a little rough. Personally, I, 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 oh, really? I thought that the depth wasn't all the way there. Um, the idea of it was cool. The fireworks moment was fucking sick. Don't get me wrong there. Um, but uh, as far as like the actual animation part of the fight, I thought the idea of just them in the ring, you know, no sound, no dialogue. Um, I thought them kind of sweating it out. I like how throughout the fight, they kind of just stopped and walked around a little bit. I think that signifies that the rounds are passing. I think that was portrayed very well. Where it gets a little, I wish they would have for me. The jail cell thing, I was like, okay, didn't you know that that seemed a little much for me? You know, the jail cell right. thing compared to just like the introspective of it all. The jail cell thing, I thought was a little much. If they're gonna do the jail cell thing, in my head, I think you need one more thing. You need one more anime something that brings this up one more level right before you finish it, and. F- at looking back, the jail cell was that one more thing. I think that wasn't yeah. enough. And so either don't do that one or do one more like something mm. with colors or or, you know, they're, they're casually back at the gas station or something and some weird shit like that. Like, like I think they needed to turn. I think they turned this anime, the anime uh, slider of this scene up to 80 percent. I think they not only needed to get to 100, like 110. You know what I mean? I think that 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 was just me looking back at it. But before the cage came out, I was like, this is such a cool idea because that's what this is for the first time in Rocky history. This really is a one on one fight. This is this is the most one on one it's been since um, Apollo Rocky round three by themselves in the training facility. That's kind of, I think what they were trying to emulate here. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bittersweet on it as a whole Mm. concept. Cool. I think you need to go just one step further, but uh, as far as the, the peekaboo aspect of it all, it was a cool, it was really well shot. And again, Jonathan majors and his faces are just so dope. I just wish it was something more similar to the first fight where, uh, Donnie sees something, you know what I mean? Like this right. seemed more opportunistic than it was cerebral. And I think mm-hmm. I, I like the cerebral take in the first fight more. Not that this wasn't fine. The cerebral take I preferred, I think, um, overall, but yeah, man, some great fights, some great fights and a training montage as well. Yeah, no. And, uh, I do think my guess would be that there probably was a one more thing besides the jail cell in the script. And maybe they tried it out and it just didn't work. Cause it is it is hard I, i'm with you where like that is such like a abstract kind of i don't know interesting thing to add in there that you really have to be like oh wow we're kind of going there and maybe that next step would have been interesting but for this um i don't i, I wonder if they probably thought that doing something else maybe that they had in the script or just an idea would have been too much so yeah overall i, I think it. the I fights are cool yeah yeah, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Uh, all right, David, your last piece of good popcorn uh, before we move on to bad popcorn. 
Yeah, no, I would say for me, uh, just not having Rocky Balboa in this movie was a good thing because I think this movie stands on its own without him. Like it's like taking the training wheels off for me a little bit where it's like, all right, first off, Michael B. Jordan directing Michael B. Jordan starring him. Like you said, being the promoter, you know, being retired, having a family, like it is all about him. And I liked from a character arc standpoint of him being able just to be on his own, you know, like he doesn't have to rely on Rocky. He doesn't have to be with Rocky. Like the, even just the franchise, right? Creed always marketing all these things always were a part of like Rocky Sylvester Stallone coming back for this franchise. That's what kind of was a big part of the marketing and why people went out to the movies. I liked how this as a Creed fan was able to stand on its own. Michael B. Jordan, Donnie was able to stand on his own in terms of, you know, carrying a movie. And I, I personally appreciate that. And I think it set it up well for possible new, you know, future movies. You know, it wasn't hanging on to the past. However, I mean, I, I love when Rocky's in the movies, one and two. I just appreciated what this did for the franchise moving forward. Yeah, and um, I understand what you're saying, and and I get, you know, again, we talked about this earlier, you being very much more Creed than Rocky just overall in your personal preference. I think, and just this transitions right into bad popcorn, Rocky not being yeah. in this movie, I think it's its biggest flaw, actually. So, like, mm. you know, David, maybe me and you throw on a couple gloves and go a couple rounds <laughs> on if Rocky should have been in this movie or not. Um no, so like I'm not saying Rocky needed to be as much of a feature player as he was in the first two movies, which he very much was. He's the, you know, he's the third most important character in the first two movies, like every time, arguably the second. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just think that not having Rocky here was a couple of things. It was a miss, I think. I think this movie does lack a little bit of heart, um, you know, just like overall. And we talked about kind of some janky motivations earlier. Um, the motivation for Creed to have this final fight is so weird to me because are we are you cheering for Creed in this fight? Because like at the end of the day, when he wins, he takes away the only thing Jonathan Majors ever had. He like Jonathan Majors entire life was taken from him and Creed takes that away from him again. You know what I mean? At the end of the day and then apologizes. But I just think that, um, that motivation left Adonis Creed and his character kind of hanging out to dry for me a little bit because I, right. No, no. And I understand that, but like, it's just like at the end of the day, it is, it is that fight. That is the fight that they're having. And I just think that it's it's a little weird that they didn't make Jonathan Majors, I think, enough of a villain um, for Creed's motivations to really hit for me here. Just because I think that there's a real lack of, like I said, just heart in this movie. And I think Rocky brings that so much in the first two Creed movies. And it's less so that I think it needs Rocky. I just think that the Creed character needs Rocky a little bit because in those first two movies, he is the, you know, the guiding light, the saving grace for Creed. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying he needed to be in the entire movie, but I do think uh, doing the Top Gun thing, giving him a text, giving him a, uh, you know, a phone call, a freaking a cameo at the end, even, you know, I just think that there, there really could have been 
some um, awesome moments for Rocky come and provide exactly what I felt like Creed needed in this movie, which was guidance. And I know this is like diving into the past. There's such a good story right there already because Rocky feels responsible for not throwing in the towel that led to Apollo Creed dying. Like if, if Rocky mm-hmm. would have thrown the towel, Apollo never would have died. Creed feels responsible for Dame, you know, pulling the gun and being sent to jail. But at the end of the day, you know, he didn't give him the gun, all that different stuff. Right. I think the one conversation between those two could have taken this so much farther for me in that final fight and really got me back on Creed's side. Um, whereas I just think it's a little, the motivations I think are just a little weird because Creed's in the wrong the entire movie and it never really changes. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just think Rocky could have provided exactly what I was missing from this movie. No. Yeah. I mean, I totally see the argument. I, I like the, uh, the top gun reference. I think that, I think that could have been, that could have been cool for sure. That yeah. that kind of exact same way of doing it. Uh, for me, bad popcorn wise, I thought the pacing was lopsided. Like times, I felt the movie was going slow, and then sometimes it was like super speed. Like it felt like we'd go on around, 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 around. Oh, a fight is announced. We are doing that fight. You know, like both fights. It felt Terrific. like, and we get the montage obviously for the second or for the the third fight. But for the second fight specifically, like the middle part of the movie. It almost was kind of bouncing around. We're getting a lot of developments. Obviously, Donnie, B, the family, you know, the little girl, the mom. We're getting everything with Dame and the flashbacks and all of this, right? But it wasn't paced out perfectly, in my opinion, especially when all of a sudden there would be that fight announced. Whoa, whoa, speed race to it. Um, I felt like there was more buildup in other Creed movies and Rocky movies, like two certain fights, like press conferences just just build up in general like sometimes movies can feel like you know sometimes in movies you can feel that flow of time like how much time is actually passing from one scene to the next yeah. and i think sometimes they miss the mark in this movie and, and maybe that's you know uh, michael b jordan's first directing directing role or you know debut maybe that's part of something he needs to work on because i think there was some of that in this film where the passage of time just wasn't really portrayed well for me no, and, and I'm t- I'm right there with you. I think that was an issue for me as well. And I think a big part of that was in the first half of the movie, I don't even want to say the first act, but like the first act and a half of this movie, they set up a lot of really interesting seeds that they really just didn't take advantage of in the back end because they kind of rushed to the fight a little bit. And I think mm-hmm. that... I think that they set up a lot of really interesting motivations, like I just mentioned. I was missing a little motivation for Michael B. Jordan. Rocky could have provided that with context with the whole Apollo Drago thing. Um, but there was a couple other things they could have done with Jonathan Major's character that I think pushed him into that villain territory where I want Michael B. Jordan to go beat the shit out of him. And I think they set it up so well with him and Tessa Thompson. And that whole conversation they have, how does it feel to watch somebody else sing your song? What an amazing line that is so I got chills thinking about it. That line within this story, him saying it to Tessa Thompson and then bringing up the boys home and uh, uh, Leo is that his name. Leon, Leon, um, Leon, bringing up Leon and all that stuff. How does it feel to have somebody else sing your song? Because that's what Jonathan Major is going through right now. He feels like yep. Adonis is singing his song, and and you want revenge. And 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 Tessa Thompson, beautiful human, 
uh, uh, just like, yeah, man, you know, it's tough and it's something I got to work through every single day. But, you know, I'm making the most of what I have and I'm trying to make the best of it and all this stuff. And, and Jonathan Majors crushes. He's like, I wish I could agree with you on that. That was such an awesome seed. And like him coming to yeah. the house and like, you know, not being territorial, but again, just being a little socially awkward. Just being a little socially awkward. Uh, kind of lurking around. You which, know. you know, go to prison for 18 years. Walk into a house like you're a freaking sophisticated aristocrat. Get the fuck out of here. But <laughs> but they did that scene. Him talking to Tess Thompson. He even mentions, I'm coming for all of it. I'm not just coming for the title. I'm coming for all of it. I wish they would have pushed Jonathan Major's character a little bit further to get a little more predatory. Hit on Tessa Thompson. You know, like, like try to, like, smooth talk Adonis' wife. That's how you get Donnie in the fight. That's how you get him all pissed off. He mentioned his dad, and that's what got Adonis to be like, okay, game on. You know, book it. I think if, yeah. he, if they would have gone a little more territorial there, I think it really could have done a lot for not only Donnie's motivations, but Major's character being the villain at the end of this. Because still, at the end of the day, he got screwed. And now he's losing the heavyweight title that he finally gets back. Right. And it's just, yeah. I feel like they set a lot of seeds that they didn't take advantage of. And I think it goes hand in hand with your pacing issue as well. Yeah. I, I do think by the end though, you know, I hear what you're saying in terms of he got screwed and, you know, Don, Donnie was kind of in the wrong most of the time. I do think by the end and it's, it's complicated, you know, cause it's the whole, argument like he was trying to bury it put it in the past and then him appearing it was kind of like seeing a ghost you know that's kind of the whole point of the movie mm -hmm. i do think by the end that scene in the locker room was powerful for me i, I thought what they were saying what they're talking about because creed i mean not creed dame's also in the wrong too right like the way he goes about he's manipulating yes he has you know he has bad intentions like he it's not all simple it's not all just and i it's it's two-sided as well i mean the mom's a little bit, I would say, uh, at fault too. Hides all those letters. Like Dame Pull reached out, out for box, years, dude. What are you talking about, man? That Terrible. Was, that was crazy. That was yeah. crazy. I mean, it was sad. It was you know? sad. It was yeah, a sad story. Um, but yeah. Anyway, I, I yeah, the the pacing was off, and th there's definitely some things to poke holes in. But I do think by the end of the day, for me, their relationship shined through, and I liked the way it ended with specifically like that them in the locker room talking it out i absolutely agree the locker room scene was very good jonathan majors is a fantastic actor i almost think it, that scene would have done better before the fight you know what i mean mm. kind of before the fight settle that so in the ring it really is just about like hey i gotta do this for me you know what i mean like i gotta get mine you know like i gotta right. make sure that i know i have my life then they could have opened the door for maybe dame winning that final fight you know and that yeah. could have been an interesting angle i just think that I just think that that conversation being after he takes away the belt, it was just a little uh, too late for me for Donnie's character. You should have apologized earlier. You know what I mean? And it's just it's it's and, and that's a fun conflicted uh, Adonis's growth in this movie is really cool because he finally opens up. Finally. Yeah. Finally opens up yeah. to Tessa Thompson, <laughs> which isn't a hard thing to do. It doesn't seem like, right? Um, but right. Um, I, I think the arc is really cool. I just think that scene could have fit better before the fight, which that's a very fundamental part of the movie. So it's 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 preference, but I see that scene was very good. I do want to say. Yep. Yeah. So what's your next piece of uh, 
burnt gross popcorn. That was kind of it. The choose your own adventureness of it all. You know, just like oh, having some plot points that I didn't totally develop um, at the end. And they had a couple options. I just don't think they capitalized on the right ones. Yeah. And kind of rounding it out, you know, I already mentioned a, ma- a major one is just how unrealistic it is, specifically the, the second Chavez fight. fight like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Chavez fight is just, the, it's, it's a bit of a joke. Like anyone who watches the movie, I'm sure even them would admit like, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a stretch. It's, it's we're having a good time. This this is a movie. It is about boxing. Like we got to get from point A to point B. Let's let's get to that final fight. Let's get you'll beat around it a little bit. You know, give some lines of dialogue to you know Chavez and the mom, and you know make it work somehow. Right, the reference to Rocky and Apollo not as well done, obviously, and I agree with that take. Um, but just getting there. But it, overall, it's like. Yeah. There's no way this would be the case. There's there's literally no shot. This is how it would go. I think it's poison soil for the plot point, which, like you said, they are just kind of having fun. Like, we got it at the end of the day. Jonathan Majors needs to ha- have a fight before he fights Creep. <laughs> like, that's and the fact that he wins. That's you really know, it's the like, reality of it. Like, this guy who's been in prison for 18 years that's older is going to lose to this young heavyweight world champion. I mean, I like that. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. I like personally. how he won. It, but, but even then, like, you're you're not only suspending disbelief for like the fact that the fight happens, but even just the fact that he kind of kicks his ass. Sure. Like Ch- Chavez wasn't impressive in that fight, really. <laughs> and I want to call like, out the Chavez actor, who's a real fighter, of course. Um, him and his mom, not great. Like they just weren't very good. I don't think. Like I didn't get the mom thing. I, I didn't. I think what it was is they got a fighter to play Chavez, and he's not that great of an actor. So they needed the mom to be like the manager. You know, the WWE manager kind of role, the Paul Heyman, you know, right. like I, I'm going to be the charisma for this guy who maybe doesn't have that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I just don't think them as characters played very well. And it made that fight a little bit of a dud as well. Yeah, I agree. And All right. Let's get into some of these uh, hot plays. Hey, hey, I love that. Uh, I'll start it off with my first top play. The Creed basement, brother. That thing is fucking sick. The wraparound bar with the black and gold finish on it. Uh, The Hennessy sitting on the corner of the bar. And Jonathan Majors, of course, eyes it. Again, been in jail for 18 years. Pour up, Michael B. Jordan says. And as he's doing that, he's lifting up his cigar box and just getting that ready. Like the pool table with the boxing wall and the trunks. And then then the Rocky picture. And just. Poster of himself. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, not just a poster, my man. It's a full wall of the the original Creed poster, I think is what it was. And it's just (laughs) the whole basement. And then uh, they did. And, you know, I, I don't know this life. I don't have any hearing impaired people in my family. I don't I don't have friends like this. I appreciate all the hearing impaired details they put into this. We've cool. seen it. Marvel Studios has been doing it a lot, actually, with Macari and then Echo and all those different things. So we've seen some good examples of it lately. Very well done here. Tessa Thompson will talk about that. I'll talk about it now. Tessa Thompson being the mom of a deaf person, being a hearing impaired person herself, so good making sure michael b jordan signs while he's in the school you know what i mean like that kind of stuff and always always making sure the kid's comfortable but i love that scene oh it's so good and we'll get to it pissed at the teacher yeah no and we'll get to it but um to go along with the basement uh we've seen the deaf sirens as the doorbell uh we saw it in hawkeye with echo Mm -hmm. uh people who are hearing impaired obviously they can't hear the doorbell so they have flashing strobe lights in their house did you notice the Creed flashing uh, strobe lights are just like a 
Prince purple that just fades yeah. in. And fa- so fucking sick, dude. Rich deaf mm-hmm. people need to be doing that on the reg because that is so dope. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about too. It's like this is this is someone who has you know a a, a deaf child, simply put, uh-huh. uh, that has a ton of money. <laughs> like, the exactly. way they were like, I'm like, oh, like, oh, this is cool. Exactly. Like, people should just do this even if they can here. This is, looks awesome. So fucking. Um, Speaking of, or if you have like a bunch of dogs that you don't want to have barking, I wouldn't mind that instead of a bell. I don't hate that too. I don't hate that. Either. All right. Speaking Look, of, your first top play. Oh, I love this. The fact that what, what's her name? Um, Ariana? Amara. Is that it? Amara. Amara. Close. Um, Amara. I love how Amara is. It's you know she's part her mom. She can't really hear, and then she's part her dad, and she just fights. She fights. She, <laughs> I mean, she what fights. A, what a what a mean kid to begin with. Just pull it like kids are mean. Uh, ripping her paper like that. I'm like, what? Why would I mean? I get yeah. Kids are mean. That's sim. That's the simplest thing to Tiny little way of putting it. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like. Oh my god! And I was like, "Of course she fights." And I loved like the leading up. I just mentioned it was Donnie just being pissed at the teacher, and because he is so just, I am if like he solves his problems through fighting, which yeah. kind of leads to I would say that final fight, defending that a little more too. It's like these both those characters in the end they solve problems by fighting, yeah. and they always have, and it's kind of. But in this, I love I love the character de- development that we get here, and then later that scene we have, like you said with him tessa thompson and her in his face being like you can't just fight through everything you're gonna have to talk through certain things you have to you know make yourself vulnerable and i thought this was a great example of just like seeing it in his kid and how he gets fired up about it and so on so i loved that scene and she can't talk through it like it's a very emotional scene with tessa thompson and right. michael b jordan in the basement man it's just it's very well done and and i like how i thought for a second when she showed up, they were going to stop yelling and start signing out of respect for her, which I think that's an amazing thing. They do this whole movie is anytime the kid walks in, they start signing at least a little bit. You know what I mean? They yeah. start at least at least a little bit talking about the framework of the conversation. So she doesn't feel left out. I like how Tessa Thompson finished the conversation with him before they got back to signing. You know what I mean? Because she has some shit she needed to say. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It wasn't going to wait. Like and I, I like that decision. And then as Tessa Thompson carries her out of the room, I love you for Michael B. Jordan. Uh, shout mm-hmm. out to Myla Davis Kent debuting in her first movie ever as Amara Creed. She's fantastic. She was awesome. I loved her. And that, and that, whew, did you know she had a little guard up when she threw that one, man? It was so <laughs> yeah. sick. So sick. Um, my next top play, we got to talk about it. It's. Oh, yeah. The underrated second best entrance in rocky creed history wow drago gets risen up by a rig from under the ground that's hard to beat (laughs) but jesus christ the chavez entrance with the smoke and just the camera work going into the smoke and then here he is holy shit not much more to say go watch this movie if nothing else for the chavez entrance that in imax was worth the price of admission alone yeah, that was awesome. So I sick. agree with that one. Yeah. So sick. My t- next stop play, um, Marianne Creed dying, that death scene. So emotional. Yeah. Great acting. Oh, my gosh. I was like, this is, I-, I feel something right now when it switches from, you know, her kind of being, I don't know, aware to her suddenly be, like talking to Apollo and like saying how like Adonis is like 
basically like showed her the light in a way like showed her that like this is there's positives like there's light in the world that fighting doesn't always have to be bad and ah i thought it was a beautiful scene very well acted michael b jordan did a phenomenal job great cry great cry i'd say um and yeah that's the bread and butter for michael b my 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 guy (laughs) yeah no he's he's got that one down um but yeah i thought i thought it was a phenomenal scene that i felt i really felt the uh weight of especially throughout the movie we kind of get those moments of like she had a stroke she's had health problems we don't know how long she's gonna last Mm -hmm. and and that connection that we've gotten since once again like since that first creed movie being reintroduced this character being introduced to donnie for the first time um by the way shout out to how creed has now had two young mbj actors (laughs) that don't really look that alike yeah (laughs) that seem like similar similar in age yeah uh it's pretty funny that's good stuff yeah they I, I thought it was the same kid. I thought it was the same kid no, for a second. No, definitely not, not the even same a little kid. bit. Not, they should have, though, right? Like, that was. <laughs> well, the kid would have been old ago. now. How old? Too old? I think so. Okay. Well, there you go. It's real fast, man. They yeah. sprout up quick. There you go. Shout out to Felicia Rasad as well um, as the mom here. America's mom. Cosby Show. Cosby um, Show. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. Ugh, she's so good in that. Everybody's so good in oh, that. Bill Cosby, best. horrible human being. Bury him under the prison. But. Damn good television program. Um, uh, I will say, like, about the death, anytime you do the notebook thing, for whatever reason, I have a hard time getting out of the notebook with it, you know? Like, like it's right. it's it's very well done, but, like, how good is the notebook, man? It's so goddamn good, man. When she, <laughs> when, when, when she switches at the end, oh, my God, it's I, uh, I cry every time. Um, I have two more top plays I do want to mention very quickly. The white trunks versus the black trunks just what a sick color combo man love it like the mike tyson trunks that uh uh dame has who he's kind of playing a mike tyson character a little bit right and then just not just the all white for creed the white on white lettering with the leather and then like the embossed gloves and all that shit so fucking good the posters had uh creed with white gloves and red trunks I remember that specifically. So when he when he dropped that robe and the all whites came out, so goddamn cool. I loved it. And then uh, one more just awesome thing I think they did for the hearing impaired community. Again, I don't know anything about this community at all. I don't know anybody in it. But I have to imagine when uh, the final scene with the family in the ring and Amara knocks out Creed and Tessa Thompson yeah, runs yeah. around celebrating, she's waving her hands in the air. Like very dramatically mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the kid can't hear her cheering, so you got to show her you're cheering. And I just thought that was so yeah. that was so just thoughtful and well done by Tessa Thompson, and just I thought that was they did such a yeah. good job with that. And again, that's why I wish Tessa Thompson's character was just a did, little more involved. Did you see Coda? I didn't. No, but it's I, really I good. It's Speaking of like deaf, deaf community yeah. and stuff, and this is like uh, waving your hands like this is clapping. Oh inside. yes, I knew that from the yeah, Coda, yeah, yeah. from the Coda Oscar run. I remember. Yeah, that. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in the yeah, like in the movie, it's Coda's a great. It, yeah. it deserved winning best I picture. I Apparently, I, thought, I love this shit. <laughs> I watched. Yeah, I guess so. I watched it. Oh, and that is. Oh my gosh, you want to talk? Oh yeah, we watch that movie. Do we review Coda? Um, I watched. We watched it. <laughs> a little late um i watched it the day after it won best picture because i'm like all right well we gotta check it out now and uh yeah it's a great film and uh, it definitely really cool looking just the deaf community because i feel like if you don't know anyone live with anyone have family friends that are or you know uh 
impaired, not visually. What's the word? I'm looking hearing for? impaired. Hearing impaired. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't know certain things, right? Yeah. And even like the, you talk about the, the doorbell and and signing. It's just like it's little things, you know, that you that don't you don't know until you kind of like live in that, like that you do in code, like in that movie or kind of a little mm-hmm. bit in this movie. So it's it's pretty cool. I, I like seeing that in these films. Absolutely. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that does it for our top plays. Moving forward. David, uh, Creed 4 is supposed to be happening. Um, uh, Michael B. Jordan's like, we're definitely doing it. And uh, apparently there's also yeah. a Drago spinoff in the works. Where are you excited to see this Creed franchise go? Do you think they go the route of Rocky where uh, Villain of the Week, not in a bad way, but Villain of the Week where every other movie's got a new one? Or uh, uh, are you excited for any of the spinoff opportunities? Yeah, Drago sounds interesting. Drago, like him being in this movie but barely touched, but like where he... He, I mean, he was a good character in Creed 2, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, like that that was pretty well done. Um, I can totally see where like there could be a spinoff. I mean, look, MGM is now owned by Amazon. Could we get a series of some kind? Um, just like just a series of like that um, the training facility like mm-hmm. in Duke. Yeah. Teaching these people like that just sounds awesome to me. Like and like lower level fights is sounds fascinating. All of, like the movies, it could be like, you know, the heavyweight title, but yeah. like, what about the, you know, the lower, the more grimy fights. Um, I think that's pretty cool. And yeah, for Creed Four, I'd love to see Jonathan Majors return. You know, I'd love it to be this thing where it is like fa- Fast and Furious. Now he's family, you know, or something like that, where it's like now he's kind of on his side. Um, and that's happened in Creed as well. You know, that's 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 a very Creed thing or, or you know, thing. Rocky yeah, yeah. Rocky thing. That's what, that's what I mean. You know, yeah. Rocky Creed. Um, and, and so on. So yeah, I think there's plenty of more story to tell. It may not always be with Michael B. Jordan swinging the fists, you know, or being in the main fight, but I think there's plenty of story to tell here. I think there's a lot of ways for they, them to expand it, whether it be a series, a spinoff movie. And I think, especially after how this is already performing at the box office, they're definitely going to want to. Oh, yeah. um, I think it's definitely going to be a thing where they greenlight these projects and spinoffs in this world seem very natural you know like i said there's so many different facets of the boxing community yeah. to dive into or and just these characters jonathan majors you know dame dame could have his own thing um same with drago so pretty cool this is a spinoff like the creed movies are a spinoff of the rocky franchise exactly like, tried and true yeah um again that's again why i think uh, sly stallone's missing a little bit in this but um i think that i i really do think creed one rocky one same kind of movie Creed 2, Rocky 2, same kind of movie. Creed 3, Rocky 3, the exact same movie, if you want to press me on it. Um, uh, with, with a better Mr. T, with a better Clubber Lang. Um, so, Creed 4, is it about country? You know? Like, who does America fight in Creed 4? Top Gun isn't allowed to have a country named Nemesis. We can't fight Russia again. They'll bomb us. Um, so, is it... I don't know what it is, but uh, I think Creed 4 The enemy, be, the enemy. Is it aliens? Do, do they fight? Do they fight <laughs> in space? Like you know, like where's Rocky on the moon fighting people or training people to fight? Um, I don't know. It could be crazy. Timmy uh, Cap up there. Yeah, I just it, it with with all Rocky movies and now with all Creed movies, it's all about the opponent. Who you fighting and why? And and another thing, the Rocky movies kind of being made in the seventies and eighties, not understanding what a movie franchise really is yet. Um, they kind of got ahead of themselves with, well, Rocky, dude, if you fight again, you can go blind forever. They made five other movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? They never mentioned him going blind ever again. Um, yeah. So with this Creed movie, you're old, you're washed, you already retired for three years, came back, won the belt. 
where does Creed go from here um, within mm-hmm. his career? And, you know, we've already talked about motivations within the world need to make a little more sense maybe than this movie had. So where does it go there? So here we yeah. go, David. This is really more for go. you than anybody else. Rank these Creed movies, man. Creed 1, Creed 2, Creed 3, 2015, 2018, 2023. Where do you rank the Creed franchise? Yeah, gut reaction. I'm going to go Creed 1, Creed 3, Creed 2. Um, And I think some of my reasoning for that is Creed 1 was just so special. Just the story of Donnie and Rocky getting back into things. And I don't think it had the best adversary. I think it had... Maybe the weakest one, um, but was just a great movie. I think Michael B. Jordan is just excellent in that first film. He's good in all of these, and I love all these movies. Mm-hmm. I want to preface that. Um, even the second one, like that, I like the second one a lot. The third one to me, I like the personal story. I I personally enjoyed how it was a kind of spread my wings and fly my own kind of a deal for Michael B. Jordan and for this character. Like there, is, he sheds kind of. It being, like you said before, a Rocky spinoff, in my opinion. Like, this is a kind of standalone movie. I think someone could just sit down and watch this film and not know really much about the past. We only have, like, one or two references to Rocky in this. I, I enjoyed how much they shied away from it at the end of the day. I thought it was a bold decision, and I think it actually paid off. I thought the fighting was, I thought the fight scenes were maybe the best in this, uh, in this movie. I mean, kind of hard to... Like, a lot of them are very good, but I really enjoyed these scenes. And I liked the personal story. I thought Jonathan Majors, great addition, a phenomenal actor. Like he's a great villain because he's a he's a genuinely class act, like top tier actor. You know, he's not just a mm-hmm. fighter. One of those things which I thought was great to bring him in here. I think he brought great depth to the character. Um, and the second one is good as well. You know, I, I'm not shitting on the second one at all. I think it's great. I think a lot of the story with specifically Rocky in the second one is really good. Amazing. And with Dra- bringing Drago back in, I think it's great. I love this franchise. You know, like ask me on a different day. Ask me after I rewatch all three in a row. Sure. Maybe I would have a whole different ranking. But right now sitting here, I'd say one, three, two. Well, I have watched all three in a row. <laughs> um, so true. Uh, I like those rankings from you. I'm actually going a very different way. We don't have any any movie in the same spot. I'm going to go Creed 2, Creed 1, Creed 3. Again, Mm -hmm. I like all these movies. I think I love Creed 2. I think it's got the best story out of the three. I think it's got the best performances out of the three, even though the performances across all three are incredible. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I think Sly is phenomenal in Creed 2. I think Tessa Thompson's phenomenal in all these movies. Um, and the Drago story, I think I appreciated the most out of all of these stories from a motivation standpoint. Um, you know, yeah. it, it really didn't need much more. Like, yes, it's more dependent on uh, Rocky Four, But, man, if you know what happens in Rocky Four, that's a fucking movie, dude. Um, and then I'm going to go Creed 1 over Creed 3 for no other reason than a Rocky movie. What's the staple scene in every single Rocky movie? It's the training montage, right? Oh, the training yeah. montage is Rocky. Always has been, should always be about the training montage. This one had a couple cool moments. The flashbacks of all the times he got up throughout the first two movies, very sick. The double ropes by Jonathan Majors, holy fucking hell, right? Like, who? That's a man. That's the scene that the picture the picture leaked and was like, hey, you know, uh, Paul Rudd's fucked. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, for yeah, two yeah, years, yeah. Paul Rudd's been fucked because of that picture from that double <laughs> the double rope scene. So sick. Yeah. Um, but 
I'm going to give the nod to Creed 1 over Creed 3 because in that training montage, you get the motorcycle moment. You get the four-wheeler motocross oh, down the so street. good. That's a rocky moment, man. And I, and, and it's very much more Creed because it's got the hip-hop. It's got the, the bikes or whatever. They're still in Philly, but like it's it's him screaming more than him just doing the thing. And it's just yep. I think Michael B. Jordan owns that moment, and that scene is probably my second favorite scene of the entire Creed franchise. Um, behind yeah. the tombstones um, at the end of Creed 2. Mm. But I, I, it does come down to that to me. Like a Rocky movie, a Creed movie needs to be about the montage. Creed 1's montage is probably the best of the three. Um, so I'm going to put that right. over Creed 3. So yeah, I'm going 2-1-3. You go 1-3-2. And ladies and mm-hmm. gentlemen, that has been Creed 3 in review. We'll be back for either the Drago spinoff or Creed 4, whichever one comes first. But real quick, David, a little mini feature. Before we get out of here, let's quickly go through our top three. We're going to do a little top three segment here of the best movies directed by the lead actor. This is a very interesting topic. Um, Rocky uh, Rocky 2 was like one of the first big examples of that with Sly Stallone um, directing and leading the movie. And that's going to be my first pick. My first pick is going to be Rocky II, my favorite of this entire franchise. So um, I'm going to start us off with my first pick. It's going to be Rocky II. Nice. Yeah, that's a great pick. Um, definitely makes sense. Definitely on topic for today. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> my first pick, I'm going to go with John Krasinski, A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2, I'm pretty sure. Um, I think he does a great job like i said early on in this podcast um as far as horror movies go like those really are my favorite i would say i really enjoyed the second one um killian murphy comes in and john krasinski can freaking direct man because that's the thing for me like those movies show off great directing in my opinion so yeah i'm gonna go krasinski and quiet place love that um i personally haven't seen the quiet place franchise but people talk great things um and i love that um my number two is going to be one that um, I learned upon uh, research for this little mini feature right here. I did not know that Bradley Cooper was the director for A Star is Born, starring him mm-hmm. and Lady Gaga. Um, so that is going to be my number two pick. I love that movie. I love Bradley Cooper in that movie. And I didn't know he directed it. And I think it's so well done. Like, I didn't know Bradley Cooper directed it at all. And for A Star is Born to yeah. be the one I learned that with, I thought it's it's just a great movie. And um, I'm just I guess I'm more surprised than anything that uh, Bradley Cooper directed that one because I think it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I'm going. uh, That's a great pick. I'm going with Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi, Mm -hmm. who kind of stars in it. He he plays Hitler in the film. Um, Jojo Rabbit is an unbelievable movie. I thought it was phenomenal. This came out in 2019. Have you seen this, Matt? I seen Jojo Rabbit? I haven't. Oh, dude, I know. Go watch Jojo Rabbit. This is Taika's best work, in my opinion. I mean, it is excellent. Mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson is excellent in it. I would say it's her best acting role. Maybe I don't think about that. Her marriage story is also really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's and that's a, those are both the same year, by the way. In Endgame, Jesus, Scarlett Johansson. What a yeah. run for Scarlett. So, <laughs> it really was. I remember the moment. Like, oh my Black gosh, Widow. like she's. Black Widow's yeah. supposed to come out the year after. <laughs> Correct. Um, so, yeah, shout out. Taika Waititi does an excellent job. Like, this movie is 
hysterical. It is funny. It is satirical. But then it is heartbreaking and harsh and filled with reality. And that's what makes it such a great movie, in my opinion. And Taika does that balance so well. And I think he does it in all of his movies. You know, Ragnarok, even moments in Love and Thunder, which I might get shit for. Like, I, I still think he does that balance well. I think yeah. Love and Thunder, talking about the sliding scale, dips way more into, like, joke satirical hammy stuff but i think he's still able to kind of pull off the dramatic chops as well so yeah taika waititi jojo rabbit that's my third pick i love it taika i mean how do you not love taika also uh uh, what we do in the shadows another great taika led and directed film um my last one it's very easy for me actually this is one of my all-time favorite movies and there's a lot of directors that are in all of their movies quentin tarantino um, is just one example, um, but very few times the, do the directors that are in a lot of their movies, very few times are they leading their movies as well. And this guy has directed some of my favorite movies of all time. Um, he has directed Elf. He has directed Iron Man. He has directed Swingers. And he has also directed Chef. I will be taking Chef, directed and starring John nice. Favreau. This movie is so damn good. It's one of my favorite father-son stories ever told in film. I think it's the mm. best use of uh, on-screen graphics to show a text message conversation. I know that's a very small thing, but it's never done better <laughs> than in Chef. And this movie's yeah. just incredible. Um, I, I had to watch this movie in school for a class I was taking um, because oh, wow. it's it's I was taking a social media promotion class, and that's what this movie really is about um, on like a B-plot kind of level is you know using your young son's knowledge on things you don't understand to grow your business or whatever. But if you haven't seen chef, check out chef. It's truly awesome. It's John Favreau, John Leguizamo, um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Uh, Sophia Vergara is in it. And it's just, Oh, Scarlett Johansson is in it. Of course. Um, it's just a really, really damn good movie. And uh, chef directed by and starring John Favreau, David close us out. What is the last movie directed by and led by an actor that you love? So this is a really small film. You've probably never seen it. Maybe you've never even heard of it. It's the one movie, and I've seen this because I was so excited. Chris Evans' directorial debut in Before We Go. It is a super small rom-com, kind of. It's a, it's a romance movie. It's just Chris Evans. What? Um, <laughs> Alice Eve. Super cute movie. I watched it one time on like Netflix or something. You've got to check it out sometime. 2014. He like plays the trumpet or something. I I forget what his whole shtick is, but Chris Evans directs it. And I, when you brought up this topic, I remember thinking it was like one of the first things I thought of because I remember it was so odd he directed it, but I like wanted to watch because he directs it. It's like the I think it's the only movie he's ever directed. Um, it's a fun little flick. It's it's kind of a wrong. I don't even remember being that comedic. So I guess maybe just a romantic movie cute little movie um i'd recommend it if anyone you know wants to give it a try and see how chris evans directs which is like now almost a decade ago yeah crazy enough yeah that alice is quite attractive isn't she jesus christ oh yeah um two (laughs) two strangers stuck in manhattan for the night grow into Mm -hmm. each other's most trusted confidants when an evening of unexpected adventure forces them to confront their fears and take control of their lives very cute movie. Okay. All right. I did not know that this movie and he existed. he plays the trumpet, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Love a good trumpet. Uh, what was I watching? 
I was watching a John Cena clip the other day where he was surprising kids at a WWE event. They were talking about how much they love John Cena, and then he would pop out from the back. And instead of playing the John Cena John Cena theme song every time that he did it, they had a guy with a fucking trumpet <laughs> playing, scaring the hell out of these kids. <laughs> with this loud, he does play the trumpet. I'm watching the trailer right here. She misses her train. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love to see I, it. I literally watched it in 2014, and like I'm pretty sure that's the only time I ever saw it. <laughs> what a wild pick! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Chris Evans, Captain America. I was riding the wave. I'm I like, I went and saw Winter Soldier. I'm like, all right, what's this Chris Evans movie? Yeah, let's get into <laughs> this Chris Evans character a little bit. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that has been episode 11, season two of the director podcast uh next week we will be probably doing that green character bracket along with bringing everything you need to know about the universes you love um me and david need to talk about how we're going to handle the oscars because they are sunday night we usually record Mm. sunday during the day so we Mm. um me and david will talk about it we're either going to cover it um and the episode comes out a little later on monday or we will just briefly chat about it the next week when we review Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods. You know, who wants to talk about the Oscars when we could talk about Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods? <laughs> um, but until then, I'm Matt. That's David. This has been everything you need to know about the universes you love. Until then, we'll see you next time.